I'm Phil Hopton. And I'm Ollie Cadell. And you're listening to the Practice Evolution podcast brought to you by Waters Kluwer Tax and Accounting UK. In this podcast series, we talk to industry leaders, influencers, fellow accountants and technology experts to address key issues impacting you, the accountant, as you continue to evolve your practice and adapt to the ever-changing needs of both your teams and your clients. This episode is part of a series of episodes we recorded live at Accountex 2023 as part of our Practice Evolution Theatre. Across the two days, we spoke to a host of amazing guests around a wide range of interesting and challenging topics. So, Ollie, what is this episode about? Well, on this episode, we're delighted to welcome, for his Practice Evolution debut appearance, Anup Rahal, who is a partner at Haynes Watts. Uh, he's in conversation with Phil from this live session on the Practice Evolution Standard Accountex, and they are covering vendors, technology, and a world of change. Yeah, and Ollie, this was a uh, spicy one with Anoop, uh, so very much looking forward to getting the feedback on this one. Look, with all of our, uh, as always, with all of our Practice Evolution episodes, these were recorded live on our stand um, in a room full of about 10,000 people across the two days. So there's a little bit of background noise from time to time, uh, and maybe even the odd reference to things happening around us. Um, but they're all fascinating and, and, and really interesting chats. So over to my conversation with Anoop. And welcome to what is Sorry. going to be a very interesting session here on the Practice Evolution Theatre. So uh, for those of you that don't know, my name is Phil Hobden. I'm the host, uh, co-host of the Practice Evolution podcast from Walters Clue Tax and Accounting UK. Um, I've been working in this space for about eight or nine years. And for most of those eight or nine years, I have known this gentleman, um, Anoop Rahul, now working for Haynes Watts in London. Um, and I was like thinking about, actually, I want some interesting guests that are going to come onto the podcast and maybe talk about stuff that other people aren't talking about. And then me and Anoop went for lunch and he scared the living daylights out of me. And I was like, no, maybe I shouldn't do this. But no, I'm joking. But I thought Anoop would be a great person to come on because you've got a load of experience. Do you want to do a quick intro to yourself and, and for those that don't know you? Um, yeah, so sorry. Yeah, so uh, I have been working in accounts since what? Bloody hell, 2006, Jesus. Uh, so it's been a long time now. I'm, I'm, I'm ageing and weathering. Uh, but yeah, look, I've worked at uh, Haynes Watts. Um, where I qualified, left, worked at some smaller firms. I've worked in two partner firms, one partner firms outside of London, really small. Then I've worked for bigger practices like Smith & Williamson, like BDO. So my, my experience has just ranged from everywhere. Uh, the one thing I've always carried with me is accounts and outsourcing. So yes, I've done COSEC, I've done admin, I've done payroll. Um, but my main focus has always been helping clients scale, a lot of international clients. But really, you know, I went on that cloud journey. I kind of rode that crest of the wave, if I'm honest, um, and got myself to where I am. And you've got some strong thoughts around the relationship between vendors, accountants, and this kind of world of change, right? Yes. So, should we start then? Well, so, what's going on in the industry? Because this is an ever-changing industry, right? And you only have to look around here now. You've got people that weren't here last year. You've got people that were little stands in the corner last year that are now whacking great big squares in the middle. What's happening in this industry and what's been going on maybe over the last couple of years? Because it's a big sea of change recently. Uh, yeah, I think people have had massive marketing budgets, which have just gone completely wrong. Um, look, I'm quite facetious about things because, look, there was a crest of the wave with cloud technology. So Zero, when it first came out, what, 2012, when I first saw it, really understood the need for it, really understood why we should partner with them and how we should grow with them. And we had great partner managers. 
I think, if I'm brutally honest, over the last four or five years, all the partner managers have, have really let themselves down um, with a lot of the people that I'm working with. So I've got some real strong relationships that I've carried myself through. So Expensify with, with Tom Rees-Jones is, is a real strong partnership I have. And what I'm finding at the moment is that... Someone said it to me a minute ago. My, my, mine isn't a job, mine's a career. I'm an accountant, that's my career. When I look around the partners here and the people that are selling half this software, how many of them is, is this a career for them? How many people have I seen move from one place to another to another place? And I understand why, but it's the consistency because I buy from people, so I buy from Phil, right? I know Phil, I know Tom, I know some of the other partners and I can understand, you know, people have moved out of the marketplace and come back in, but as accountants, I want consistency. So Fathom's a great example of someone that I used before and then they left the market and I was left in limbo with my clients going, oh yeah, we have to use something else. And now they've come back into the market and everybody's rushing back to them going, it's a great product, it's a great product. Fine, but where's my relationship? Where's my consistency? I don't want to sell software. I want to sell accounting services and advisory. I don't want to sell software. And I think a lot of partners are relying on accountants to sell their software still. And that just needs to change. We need more support. You know, how many pieces of software can you know? We talk about that core app stack. But then I've got a lot of, and again, this is where my, my, my rant and my moan comes in, but I've got a lot of people who think they're like superstars of the accounting world saying they use like 40 or 50 apps. No chance. There is no chance in hell that you can use 40 or 50 apps. You just wouldn't have the time to know 40 or 50 apps or do them consistently. You don't have enough clients that use all of those apps. And if you are, you're probably pushing the wrong things to your clients. And again, it shows me that I'm worried about the marketplace for partners, but also accountants and also accounting bodies. I don't think the ACCA or the ACA have been strong enough in terms of what they're promoting, or if they're promoting the right people or the right things. Um, and that's not helping smaller firms. It's a real brave decision for someone to leave their firm and go set up by themselves, and I really applaud that. But what used to happen in the past is you'd get someone that really knew their industry, really knew their subject matter, and went out and did what they wanted to do properly. Uh, and there are some really good smaller firms, but I think there are also some more glorified bookkeeping firms, if I can say, which isn't a bad thing, but know who you are and know what you're trying to do. And I've seen, again, over the four, last four or five years, a lot of these people that came to market struggling because they haven't realized their identity. So they were great when they were one, you know, one person band doing what they needed to do. But as soon as they tried to take on employees, premises, and I know that COVID's kind of affected it, but I really do feel that they haven't really understood what it is to be a business, which is strange when you're advising businesses what they need to do. So, sorry. No, to get, no, no, I think that's some, I think there's some really interesting points there. I, I want to dig in on the partnership manager bit at the start. Uh, show of hands, right? Who here feels like they've got good, solid, strong relationships at the apps and software that they use? Someone's actually even laughing. You've got one over there, which is great, right? So one out of however many. So, so one of the one of the points is actually this gentleman actually works at that relationship rather than the other way around the relationship working for them. Hundred percent, and I do agree that it's not it can't just be one way. So I know there's partners that we haven't engaged with, and that's completely understandable. So why would they engage with you if you're not going to come fifty percent of the way? But then there's some that you know you reach out for help and you want to have that engagement, and they're just not there anymore. You know, and I think the it is a relationship as opposed to just a partner channel coming to you, but. If you can't trust those partners to stay in the marketplace either, how can you, do you know what I mean? How can you have that relationship? It's interesting, like, it is such a relationship business. And we, I mean, we always joke as vendors in this space 
that like you come to a context and you go, oh, you're in a different T-shirt this year or you're in a different T-shirt this year. Funny enough, my old boss, Paul from Capitalize, just walked past and smiled at me. Um, and a year and a half ago, I was working for them. I moved on for, for, for reasons. But it is something that happens quite a lot. Like people do move on and it takes that relationship with you. And then it's then reliant on the next person that comes along to have that relationship. And it has an impact, right? Like if you're, if you're doing that and you're getting on, you've got someone you can call, you're engaged, they're engaged, they leave and someone else comes in, they're not as good or they, they don't have that rapport with you. It has an impact to the software. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, I know we're perhaps not the most engaged zero users as well, but we do have a, a decent mass. And I've noticed at the other firms that I've been at, when, you know, when you're starting your journey with someone, they need you very more on your case and very more happy to help and throw everything at you. As soon as they get to a mass, sometimes they forget about those earlier stages and that kind of goodwill. So zero is a classic example where I have moved from firm to firm, so I'm guilty of the same sort of scenario. But I've seen how my relationship has deteriorated you know, in terms of actual engagement, actual help, actual support of what I need. And, you know, we've got still a decent chunk of size of clients on zero, and I'm not finding that engagement anymore. I'm not finding that kind of proactive advice. So I guess the question for me is, have we moved to a different era of this industry, right? So if you look at kind of some of the early businesses that came to, came to market, so the Dex, the Zeros, and some of the others, right? And even maybe like the future lease and stuff like that, because they were quite early on in that journey. Have and that was all about kind of throw money at the customers, throw love at the customers, cupcakes. I mean, come on, everyone's probably been sent a cupcake every now and then, right? Free scanners, from free, scanners. free scanners. Yeah, oh, free scanners. Free scanner was a great one. Like speakers and everything else. And and I I fear a part of me feels like that early era of kind of all the love has kind of. It's like a relationship, right? The first first six months, you just you, you know you just you can't not text everyone every five minutes. And after six months, and then you get to twenty years, and you're just like the honeymoon's over, mate. Honeymoon's yeah, yeah, gone. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Done. Like I, I just about text my wife last night to say good night, and it was her birthday. Yes. No, I, I, we we did loads. I feel really bad now. That's not true. But but like so, have we? Do we have to accept? Do you have to accept as accountants that that relationship has now fundamentally changed, and now it is less? Because it's less about that early adoption, that growth, that, it, that the relationship has changed, or is it still really critical to you to have that? No, I think, I think the relationship has changed. I think my issue with it is, and I don't know how everyone else feels, but my point was always I never wanted to sell tech. So all this nonsense about white labeling, why would I want to white label a piece of software and have my clients complain to me that the software doesn't work and it's got my branding on it? Because generally, in the infancy of a startup, it doesn't work, right? There's always bugs. I'll never forget Futurely turning around to me and going, oh yeah, we can't handle that many lines. I was like, you didn't tell me that in the beginning, did you? You know, now I'm sitting there with a client and I'm screwed. Um, so I do think that the relationship has changed. I also think hopefully that accountants are, are going back to basics. Like, like I said, there's a lot of, and I won't name names, because I'm not allowed to, apparently, um, but there's a lot of influence, accounting influences or nonsense, like the amount of nonsense I see on LinkedIn of videos and stuff like that. Or people working abroad, or working in Bali, or working here. Brutally honest with you, I work my ass off as a partner. I work on weekends, my wife hates me for it, and I know I shouldn't do it, but unfortunately that is the life I've chosen. I'm the one that has to have the difficult conversation with my clients, not my staff. And I think that's the problem with the partnership channel is that I need my software just to work and do what it does. I mean, I've, we're using Iris, as you know, and I've got millions of problems with Iris, I'm brutally honest but unfortunately I'm not allowed to change yet, but we'll see. That's a, that's a slow work in progress. Um, 
but yeah, I think that, that relationship has to change because accountants need to wake up and say, right, what can I use? And you don't have to know everything, and it may not work perfectly. IT was never supposed to work 100%. It's just supposed to make improvements. If it's 40, 50, 60%, you should take it. Okay? It's better than where you were. But using stuff and having that reliability of the partner to know that if there is a problem, you can call them, that it will get fixed. You're not going to get the love anymore. You're not going to get everything showered at you because most of the people here now, most of the partners and that partners, all of their investors, and we've seen it in the marketplace, are all starting to get itchy feet. You know, how much can you keep investing in a loss-making place and not get a return on your investment? You know, everyone, I think, is getting squeaky bub time of it. It's interesting. We were, I was having this conversation last night, um, and we were trying to broadly, and I've worked for a lot of fintech startups, a lot, and we were trying to work out what percentage of businesses at Accountex are actual profit-making businesses from all the tech companies here. And that might sound a little facetious, but I don't think it is right. I think you've got businesses that are VC-backed, and like these are the ones that threw money at, at part, like, have this, have that, and to get that early adoption... And you're right, the market has fundamentally changed. We've seen, just in the last six months, all the tech sector, not just this, but the wider tech sector, all suffer from a lack of investment, a lack of uh, VC funding. And of course, that has massive pressure all across the line. And it puts businesses at genuine risk. And you're right, it's like that, that kind of, that change is there. And, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think the industry's... I mean, to be fair, it's, you, you walk in here and you think it was... Everything was still hunky-dory, right? Because there's still the big stands, the big banners, the big giveaways and everything else. But, like, if you were to dig into the balance sheets of all the businesses here, what do you reckon? How many do you reckon would be uh, profit-making? I've looked at most of them. I think it's only, like, the top 1%. It's like the top of the pyramid. It's like we said about this whole influencer thing, about accounting influencers. Just with everything, it's always the top 1%. They're always showing them, and we're doing this, we're doing great. Whereas, actually, when you look at the nuts and bolts of everything, there's no substance there. I would honestly say, any company that starts up, look at the VC backing, look who they've got behind them, look where they've actually been in regions before. So, you know, I use other software like XDAGER or, like I say, Expensify. They're still here after seven or eight years. Sotago came into the market and left, came into the market and left. You've got to look at these things in this kind of consistency with a, with a, with a tech provider, surely. And consolidation. The biggest thing that I've seen, I was on a panel with like Capitalize four or five years ago, and the biggest thing I always said was there was going to be consolidation because everyone here, and the UK market's always been bad for this, is people like to build a business, sell for a few million, and then start the next venture. Nobody really tries to scale that business to a global, global scale, right? Same with Futurely. Futurely sold out to Sage. Now, I'm not trying to be rude, but what if you're an accountant sitting there on zero going, oh yeah, Sage is crap, Sage is this, use the Futurely, use this, and then Futurely go and get bought out by Sage. What do you say then? You look like a bit of a mug, if I'm honest. I mean, and it's, it's happened, right? Like, I remember when the Go Proposal sale went through, yeah. <laughs> there were a couple of people that were very pro-zero and very anti-Sage that were like, well, this is awkward. Yeah, this is genuinely awkward now. And, yeah, it's, I mean, the consolidation piece is huge, right? If, like... It, it hasn't happened this year yet, but like last year around Accountex time, there was lots of lots of people being bought out, lots of kind of the smaller apps being eaten up by the bigger. Yeah, a lot of them have. And you look at like again, I'm going to call out people again. Sorry, I'm calling out businesses, not people, right? So Fluidly is a classic example of that, right? Fluidly came into the market, all a big buzz and noise because of people around it. I mean, that got sold for what a pound or something? It was ridiculous. It got it got snapped up because there was nothing there. And you think about that, they went this whole promotion journey with accountants. As an accountant and as an early doctor of that product, 
how happy would you have been at the end of that journey? Well, I actually, I, I've, I had a conversation with someone that did and that invested heavily into that as a business. And then, and then they were like, we can't, they're literally stopping the technology. So one of the things that, that I'm hearing a lot of now is about two parts, cash runway. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And um, long-term plan, so roadmap. So if you're going out and, and looking for a new vendor, and by the way, just because someone is small or, or whatever, doesn't mean they don't have some fantastic technology, but the questions that we're hearing more now are, what's your cash runway, and actually, what's your product roadmap? Uh, do you know what? The first thing I always used to ask at the beginning was, what's your roadmap? And I've noticed how a lot of providers have kind of scaled back on their roadmap, and the development doesn't seem to happen as quickly as it should be. I wonder whether that's partly because of MTD as well. Like Zero were focusing a lot of their attention on MTD, and I think that screwed them, if I'm honest. Screwed them slightly. Yeah, and, and a, lot, a lot of people, right? Like, there's a lot of software that, that went kind of bet the house on the MTD thing, and unsurprisingly, I don't think anyone was, anyone was surprised when it got pushed back. Did anyone go, oh, I didn't see that coming? No, we weren't really, right? We all went, oh, okay. And now it's kind of like, you know, it's, it'll be the next year's conversation. Um, I still bet the HMRC talk here will be the busiest of all the weekend because it always is. Right? Well, they, there's a stand over there that seems quite empty. They seem quite lonely if you want to go talk to oh, them. Oh, okay. Oh. Everyone go and talk to them. But I think that the, the runway thing, how, how many people here have asked that question about either cash runway or our roadmap for the business? So, yeah, roadmap. So, again, you know, it, it's something to consider. Like, not just, not just what the product is today, but what's it going to be in six months, 12 months' time? Because actually or even two years' time, because you need to know that, right, to know that it's gonna, that there is development and that's not just all the money gone oh, on the marketing. Compl oh, look, I completely agree with you. We've gone through, I remember Smith & Williamson, we did a project on changing our whole CRM system, etc., and we were looking through it, and uh, I find it really interesting when people say they, they want to do an IT project and they go, here's the budget. I'm like, well, how do you know the budget when you don't even know what you bloody need? So you don't know what it bloody costs, so how can you say, put a cap on it? And that's exactly what happened at Smith & Williamson. They was like, here's the amount of money, go and choose it. So they wanted Microsoft Dynamics, which I said was wrong. We should have gone with Star or someone else, or CCH, CCH came in. And they were, given the size of the business, it was a no-brainer. But they wanted to use Dynamics because it was customizable, because it was this, because it was that. I was like, you're going to spend that same amount of money on the developer to keep that product going year on year on year. Lo and behold, project failed. Because they just didn't have an idea of how to do an IT project. And that's just what happens with most accounting companies. So yeah, we asked for a roadmap. I'll be honest with you, I never asked about cash runway. But then if you ask, I bet you any money, if you ask anyone on the stand here on the app provider and just say, show us your roadmap, and they'll be like, yeah, yeah, we've got loads of development. They go, what about your cash? Oh, yeah, so we've, we've, we've you know, we had a two million pound round. We've got a really good, strong VC backing us. We've got this, we've got the other. It's just bull, right? Let's, let's call it out, it's bull. Well, it's what, what happens after that two million? Because I've been, I've been in two businesses. And that, you burn through it. Yeah, I've been in two businesses that, that raised Series A, right? The first one was a 6.5 million pound raise. And within nine months, they were raising again. And within nine, what, six months, they were raising again. So, which is fine, by the way, when it's easy to raise money. But at the moment, it's not easy to raise money. And those big VC numbers are not coming down. So actually, if... Because the next, the next thing is, there's always a, the, the next thing you can always tell is if, if the money's not coming in, the staff get cut back, right? Oh, so yeah. Seen it, seen it this year with all the job losses, right? Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate, but it's an inevitable... <laughs> It's inevitable, right? It's, it's going to happen. With it. We all know that the scale is of any business. Scale, grow, get the customer rate, get the run rate, and then 
where do you go with a £30 product or a 35 You can only go a few more quid. You can't go from £30 to £100 subscription. You can't do it. So the next thing is when you're trying to be a profit business, cut staff, right? Or cut costs. And, and also, it's, it's that renewal stage or when you're looking to, you know, it's like every software vendor will try and increase costs at renewal. But actually, there's so much competition now. It's hard to push. It's not hard to push back and go to market and look for new options. And the challenge is exactly that, right? Where can you go? If you've got, if you've got 300, 500 accounting firms paying £150 a month, actually, does that warrant uh, like a £6 million investment in the business anymore? Yeah, no, and I, and I completely agree. And that's, that's half the problem, isn't it, as well? Like when you create a Frankenstein of a monster in your firm and say, we use this app, that app, that app, right, it all starts to add up. And then when one goes... Who do you go to next? And what's the cost of that product? Or someone comes into the market that's cheaper. How many times are you going to go with stuff that is now client-facing, right? Most of these products are client-facing. Going, oh, yeah, we've got you a new login for this because we've changed provider. Like, but you changed six months ago. You've done this. So that kind of consistency for a provider and knowing what your cost base is. Because I think a lot of people came into the market not thinking long-term and would just pass on the cost of a zero license, say, for 10 quid, which is now like 30 or 40 quid. So... Clients are starting to look at it and go, well, you know, I've gone from spending £120 a year to now 500 Is that really worth it? And they're starting to realise that actually, although we had the big licence cost with, with, the, with the solutions before, have we gone to a better evil or not? We just don't know at the moment. I think we're still, we're still in an infancy, I feel. Although there are some established products, there's still a lot of way to go. Yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, the industry is forever changing. I think the pricing dynamics, we've, we've seen it, right? You only have to look on any group or forum um, on Facebook or, or wherever. And the key topic of conversation is, X, I've been with X company for five years and now they're doubling my price. What do I do? I'm controversial on this one, right? I always think, well, I would be grateful that I got it a lot yeah. cheaper for <laughs> five years than most other people are going to pay now. And actually, the question is, yeah, would you, and I guess it's a good question for you, right? Would you rather pay more and have that investment back to you in support and partnership managers, or would you rather pay less and have less of that back? Where does that balance come for you? But this comes to, I think this is, again, an accounting problem as opposed to anyone else, because I see a lot of firms, and this goes back to that point about people coming into the market and selling waitress quality for little prices. So it's fine to sell something for £300, but then keeping your £300 statics for five years. I tell all my clients, and I always have done, raise your prices year on year with inflation at least. It's like a no-brainer. And I don't know how many people don't do this. So my clients are already prepared. That sounds horrible, but I have had to do 10% increases year on year. But there's a level of service I'm providing. There's a level of quality that I'm providing. And if you like that service and quality, fair enough. I've lost clients, but I'm more profitable and I've got more time. And I think that's the same point as you. If the partner is good enough, yes, they may be raising the expense I did it. They raised their prices. But I looked at the product I was getting and I was happy with the consistency. And I've known my account manager for five years. Why would I change that just to go somewhere cheaper and just ruin myself? I, I always ask the question. When someone comes to me and you, you do the price increase thing and someone comes to you and you go... And they go, oh, we want it cheaper. And I, I, always, I always ask the question back. I go, well, what part of the product or service do you not want? What, what, what are you willing to give up for that price cut? Because our costs have gone up. I mean, we did, you know, Walter Skler, CCH, we did a, an annual price rise this year. And I think we did about 7%. So we did below inflation, right? And we made that decision deliberately. But it's still 7%. Now, surprisingly, there was 
a lot less pushback because I think we were below inflation and people went, well, that could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Because I think in some industries you expect it and our costs have gone up, clearly. Your costs have gone up clearly as well. And there's no hiding that. But I think if we if companies don't put their costs up, then actually you then start have to lose that service. And actually, as I look around here, right, as our team, it's so much like you've got Louise and Kev and Greg and Nick and these guys that have been in Walter's Clua for 10 15, I mean, Matt's been here since the dawn of time, I think. Like, Matt was here, like, in the Stone Age of Walter's Clue, when it was still on a disc or something. I don't know. On uh, a disc? I don't floppy, know. floppy disc. Yeah, floppy disc. Right? The, the old big ones as well. Yeah. So, you know, I think, and that's what, it, that, that level of kind of consistency gets you that, right? Like, yeah, and look, so sometimes you do pay for that. Yeah, you pay for quality and service. I think we're going back into that way. I think the big problem is, and it, it all depends on how accountants sold, I think, software, because... At the beginning, it's like, oh, we can automate this, we can do it cheaper. So you're sending a message to your client automatically that there's less work for you to do. And if you've gone with that kind of mindset, you're, you're going to struggle because you're like, oh, it's going to go, well, the system does everything you told me it does. And you're like, yeah, but you put everything in and you do everything wrong. So I have to redo everything that you do wrong. Um, and clients, you know, you've got to be upfront with your clients. You've got to have that kind of conversation. So, yeah, I think back yourself. I'm, I'm really interested to see, I would like to see more accountants back themselves and back their quality and back their level of service because... That's the only way you're going to have a decent client base. Yeah, better clients for more money, rather than. Of course, because you've got a relationship then, and when you have that, when you have that relationship, when you're not dreading doing that work, and you're sitting, oh god, this person only pays me 300 quid and only ever pay me two months late. It's what you know, it's the constant nightmare client. Why do it? Because it's going to be a disservice to other people. Where it could be a bit more profitable. Go, actually, I've got a bit more time to go and talk to John down the road or Debbie down the road, who I really like, and actually I can talk about their business, and then I can get more work out of them, and I can do more for them. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Anouk, this has been a genuinely fascinating conversation. Thank has you it? for. No, it has. I've well, been moaning for like <laughs> literally half an hour. That's that's. Well, I, I I thought it was interesting. And that's it for this episode of the Practice Evolution Podcast, uh, recorded live from Accountex 2023. You can find out more about Walter Kluwer Tax and Accounting UK by visiting WalterKluwer.co.uk or connecting with us on LinkedIn or following us on Twitter. Thanks as always to our guests for this episode. And in fact, thanks to everyone we spoke to at Accountex and who popped by the stand. Remember, as always, you can subscribe, rate and review this podcast on whatever platform you're listening in on. See you next time for more sessions that we recorded live from Accountex 2023.